Hello, everyone, and welcome to We Are Maroon and Gold, a podcast featuring me, Chandler Alsbecker. And me, Aaron Williams. Aaron, there are some things to say about the football game that happened Saturday night in Minneapolis. We're going to try to talk around it as much as possible. All right. All right. We'll allude to it subtly. <laughs> the previous night was good. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's for sure. We saw we saw the Rat Boys and uh, I guess to finish the joke, we would thank them for their music. That was uh, was fantastic, if I do say so myself. A rock show to end all rock shows. I mean, ideally, there are more rock shows in the future, but I, I did think they were they were very good. They um, they rocked like and and that sounds very generic but i mean it very specifically in that they you know uh they, they even rocked harder than the the record they just put out like not that they were just you know on the new album the window uh like well, they did play all of it <laughs> they did um but i what i mean is like it's not like the own you know they they all it's not like they were just playing like acoustic ballads or something on the album or anything, but like they took the mostly rock sort of alt country space they they explored, and it felt like just about every song of the album went like fifty percent harder uh, in a way. Or maybe it's just presented live; it's a different experience. But um, also, they just really seemed to enjoy rocking a lot. Yeah. Uh, which I appreciate a lot. I, I told you when, when we were walking back to the car, like, I don't need guitarists to to pick with their teeth on a solo. But if you're the type of band who is willing to break that out, that's the the type of energy I really appreciate, you know? Yeah. Yeah, no. They, it, was, it was hard. It was well-earned. Um, I think I used the word in describing that moment specifically. It's like payoff. But there was a real build to that song and to the set, I think. And that was, again, just to play into the whole rocking thing. I said my take on it was just like, you know, good songwriting, good hooks, big riffs. It's kind of an undeniable combination. They have all three of those things in spades, I would say. Just well-written, really well-written songs, really catchy. And boy, were they having fun with it. So, yeah, that was great show. Uh, good venue to see them at. Our spot wasn't uh, perfect, but um, good uh, good vibes, good vibes, good use of a Friday night, I'd say. Better than Illinois, Nebraska, as we alluded to a few times during the show. What did the store end up being in Illinois, Nebraska? It was something. I, thankfully, I thankfully I've blocked that out. Okay. Uh, well, I, I remember like neither team got past 17 or something like that. Yep. But that's the most I. I recall because I also I guess I'll have to watch that one it's Illinois week but that's that'll be it otherwise I mean so you you went to the nude I went to the nuke yeah the the chat nuke yeah the, the chat nuga which I'm referencing for those of you back home who don't know that I like going to Chattanooga um went to a bluegrass festival in Chattanooga at Ross's Landing, which is right in the river. Second festival I've been to this year at the exact same venue. <laughs> I was laid out very differently. It was a free festival, and uh, but uh, it was very cool. Got to see uh, Green Sky Bluegrass was the headliner. They're kind of a jam grass band. Uh, I'd seen them a bunch. They put on a really good show. Saw Tim O'Brien, who was in a band called Hot Rise back in the day. 
that I was a big fan of or am a big fan of. They were around in like the 70s and 80s, sort of a seminal early progressive bluegrass group with really good songwriting and singing. Um, and so I got to see him for the first time. Uh, the highlight, though, I have to say was, of course, because was there any doubt, was the blind fiddle player Michael Cleveland. He is probably the best fiddle player in the world. Um, he played with his own band and he sat in with like every other band on the bill, including with Green Sky, who I think he played four or five songs with. Um, and he just, just, I, I don't know. I don't know how to describe fiddle. You know, I didn't know it was rocking and rolling or, you know, if it slapped or whatever. I don't know what the verbiage is with fiddle players, but whatever it was, he was, he was doing it. Um, he just, I, I'd never seen him live. I guess I had seen him live before in a different context, but this was really him out in the front and center, really taking over the stage and uh, just gracing us all with his uh, immaculate and talented presence. Uh, real virtuoso. So, yeah, it was good to see him. You could just be outside, you know. I mean, with football, a lot of times we talk about some of the appeal is just being outside in fall. <laughs> Not all of the appeal, but some of the appeal is just, yeah, it's a beautiful fall day. I'm going to be outside and, you know, and be entertained a little bit, you know. Um, and this certainly fell into that category. It was a beautiful day in the Noog, about probably 60, 65 degrees when it was sunny. Got a little colder at night, but still – Felt reasonable to be outside. We got a good spot where you could sort of sit down, but also stand up, depending on where where your energy levels were at. Um, but we were still pretty close. So I think a lot of these, or by a lot of these bands, I mean Green Sky is like a you know a big theater band that'll play like the Palace Theater or something, or you know they used to play First Avenue. So it's a little harder to see them really close. But I felt like I got a pretty good vantage point compared to one of those venues uh, at this show. And uh, they played Atlantic City, well, the Bruce Springsteen song that I love so much. Probably my favorite song by him. Maybe his best song, although that would be hotly contested by people who have stronger opinions on Bruce Springsteen songs than I do. But on the whole, a uh, very good festival. Glad I went. I would probably go back under the right circumstances. Um, yeah, hard, hard, to, hard to beat free bluegrass, although obviously I did travel there, so it wasn't totally free. But yeah, good, 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 good times. Uh, fear and fear, fear and loathing in uh, on the Georgia-Tennessee border, I guess is what you'd call it. Now, was this just Saturday? Yeah, yeah, just Saturday. Uh, flew in at 5.30, took the 5.30 flight to Atlanta on Saturday morning, took about the 7 o'clock back via via Chicago to uh, to Minneapolis. So, yeah, the festival was well, – the fest, I guess the festival also technically ran Friday, but obviously I was with you on Friday. I wasn't in the Noog. Well, I spent my Saturday a bit differently. Yeah, yeah. Uh, could have used, could we? You, you could have used some more fiddle. That's what I'll say. Yeah, I, I could have. I, I did at one point have in my hand the uh, the phone for the uh, the tailgate playlist, but I just went with a Tony Barnett song. I could have, I could have done some nice, uh, you know, um, cutting grass or, or maybe some some tramp by turtles or something with a fiddle in it. But I, yeah. I, I neglected that duty and said just did indie rock but 
It was a good day, honestly. And, yeah. and at the end of this Saturday, there was some sort of meta discussion about why we do these things in my <laughs> cohort, which I thought was a bit unnecessary. There was one friend who was having a, a tough time because, you know, he, he, he's, he's like a year out of college, maybe two, and, and you know, I guess I, I I'm I'm a little older and I uh, I, I guess I, I have a relationship with sports where I I'll be bummed but I can deal with these things maybe uh, better than I did in college certainly if I was in college when 52 to 10 happened I would have been awful the rest of the weekend yeah <laughs> but there was also a friend who like got has to clean up after the tailgate and so it's just it's an ordeal and like this game has been over for a long time why am i still here that sort of thing yeah but i can say i got to spend like eight hours with some friends fairly sunny day pretty comfortable temperatures if you wear enough layers get to go to a football game yeah stand up make some noise hang out um and don't forget three years ago we couldn't do any of those things. No, we could not. Um, we were doing our football misery from a sofa or a bed, or if you were lucky and you know felt comfortable with these things, maybe a friend's sofa. Yeah. Uh, and that was not something afforded to us. The the most human contact I got got outside of a few, um, I guess a month and a half or so with my family was um, was phone calls and that's not the same and we got to go out and have one of the seven saturdays a year we get to have and those are blessings yeah even if michigan is probably the best team in the country and the Gophers really aren't yeah uh my i i got my blog post done in record time this weekend because what is there to say michigan is better like everywhere they've got probably the best defense in the country, but they gave Ace and Calicmanis no time. Like he finished five for 15 and it was kind of deserved based on the quality of his performance. But I don't know what you could have asked more from him. He was running for his life for a lot of plays. There were moments where the rush was on them just about instantly. Um, he's going up against a good secondary. It, I mean, it's, a, it's on a lot of people and one of them is Ace and Calicmanis, but um, you know, I, I had some people around me asking, like, well, who who else we got in the roster? And I'm sorry, like, Cole Kramer and Max Schickenjansky and Drew Viotto are not those guys. Not against Michigan, they're not. No, the fact is Minnesota just doesn't have, like, even, even if they had a top-level quarterback right now, and they don't, they have a guy who could become a very good quarterback one day, but right now he's not a top-level quarterback by any stretch. Um, the offensive line just... You know, it, it's been a thing in, in, in the past where pass protection has been a weakness for uh, the Gophers style. And I don't even know if that's necessarily true this year, but uh, I will say, like, they were outworked by a really good defensive front. And there's no shame in that, but it's also like, this is what happens. Yeah. Um, your receivers weren't getting open. Your offensive line wasn't protecting the quarterback enough. They got some good push in the run game early, but that didn't hold up because it turns out you can't do that for sightseeing minutes against Michigan. And that's just kind of how it went. Defensively, I thought Sharon Moore called a really good game for Michigan, but also 
Like they've got these dudes at receiver. They got JJ McCarthy. Blake Corum was fairly quiet by what you would expect, you know. Um, still had a big run, like a 40 yarder at some point. And Donovan Edwards made a couple plays, mainly as a receiver. Uh, but the, the main thing is just, you know, when you've got that level of passing game to go with the best offensive line in college football, arguably, then um, you can kind of do whatever because the Dophers didn't get much of a pass rush and you couldn't get much of a pass rush because if you go too far into the backfield, then, you know, there McCarthy goes and you're screwed. So there was no way the Dophers didn't win this game. It became very clear pretty quickly. There was, there was no way the Dophers were going to win this game. Going down into halftime, 24-10 was the score. That's not awful. But then you don't store in the second half. And, you know, like, like I said, there's just not anything to say. It's a good week to have an idle week. I'll tell you. Yeah. That. Yeah. Good week to reset. Big game in a couple. So better refocus. <laughs> better refocus. And I, I, I think Saturday proved this team does not necessarily need Darius Taylor and Darius Taylor only to run the ball well which a lot of people nationally or who only pay a passing interest to the program were suggesting going into the Michigan game. Even uh, after Evans had run really well in the previous game. Yeah. Yes. You, you go to MDO blog, you listen to, uh, I, I listen to split zone duo. Like they just kind of out the running backs out. Well, that's it. Um, Zach Evans is, is really good at this. I thought even Bryce Williams had a good game. Um, and, and Sean Tyler came in at points and did a job. So, you would like to have Darius Taylor back. Yes. You Hopefully would, I would affords him that, uh, affords him that and affords us that. Yes. And the same goes for Chris Ottman Bell, who again was a stretch. Uh, and Cody Lindenberg again was not available, which is a problem. I didn't think Maverick Baranowski had a game that you can blame anyone for, um, but it would have, Maybe been not a 52-point game if Cody Lindenberg, one of the best linebackers in the Bay 10, was in the game. Maybe a 34-point game. Maybe. Maybe. So, uh, so yeah. Get, get some guys healthy. Evaluate what you can do better. All that. Um, this is the halfway point, so how are you feeling halfway through? Three and three? You know... If you take away that half against Northwestern, I mean, still not great for that, really that quarter in a overtime against Northwestern. But I mean, really, if you think about it, if you scratch that, I mean, then we're four and two. Your only losses are to a good North Carolina team and Michigan, who might be the best team in the country. I mean, you have to feel, and obviously it's not the exact scenario that we're in, you know, we're three and three. So no, I don't feel great. No, I don't feel like the sky is falling. I'd probably give it a C, C plus at this point. You know, it's not it's not great, but it's almost it's like almost sort of gone kind of as expected minus, I feel like. That's fair. Um The defense has been disappointing though, I will say. I I know we weren't expecting to be as good as, you know, last year. Um, or in, in, you know, some of our previous standards just due to transition and turnover. But that is an area. And I think Kaliak Manis, too, we want we I would have liked to see. And I think we all would have liked to see more uh, development at this time, um, just on a basic level. I mean, I, you know, 
we, we hope for a bigger year from him. And maybe, you know, even knowing this was a transition, sort of, you know, even knowing that his best days probably weren't going to be this year, I think you still, and would still in the second half, like like to have and would like to see more from him, you know, outside of those those flashes. You know what I mean? I think that that's, that's a big story, I think. And, you know, a big, not concern, but a, a, little, a little minor disappointment, I would say. It's a significant disappointment for me. Um, but it's also a thing where I'm not really sure where to place him because he's having this these games where he's throwing 15 times tops. And then the, the two times he's been asked to throw more than that was a, the worst game of his Gophers career, obviously, against, Northwest, uh, against North Carolina, and then a not very good game against Nebraska. Um, but you'd like to see him throw 20, 25 passes one of these times against a decent team and just see what happens um, because we're, we're kind of, obviously it means something if they do it for, you know, if the coaches don't trust Kelly McManus to throw more than he's throwing. Uh, but at the same time, like he needs reps and that's kind of it. I look at him. I look at Baranowski. I look at Darius Green. I, I, I looked at this roster and I see lots of guys who are coming in for the first time as starters in the Big Ten, and this this can extend. I mean, Jack Anderson isn't the best example of this, but even Trayvon Jones, who's coming in from the CAA, and Devin Williams is a, a redshirt sophomore, and Devin Eastern, who I believe is a redshirt sophomore. It's just it's a mix of youth and transfers coming up, depending on your definition of FCS to Big Ten, either one level or two levels, if you count the group of five as kind of an in between. And it's just going to be tough. And these years happen. And the question is, can you keep the bottom from falling out this year? Can you beat the worst teams in your your division that are left? Obviously, Northwestern is the worst team in the conference. But you still have Illinois, who's real bad. You still have Purdue, who is not lifeless, but is not good. Iowa will be without their starting quarterback for the rest of the season. And... Based on the Michigan State game, I did not think their defense was as good as previous Iowa defenses. That still means they're probably a top 10-ish defense. But, you know, the, the like outs, outside of Ohio State and Wisconsin, who's trending pretty positively, I don't think there's anyone left on the schedule that you're like, ooh, don't know about that one. There are winnable games. We'll talk about Iowa next week and how confident I feel once I've gotten a closer look at them. Uh, and they have a big game against Wisconsin on Saturday. But this is a season you can still go bowling pretty easily, still win at least one of your two rivalry trophies that are left. And the real question becomes, what's this look like in 2024? Is it just, isn't Calic wasn't ready and all these other guys weren't ready? Or is it there are actual problems that, you can't get fixed overnight. And we need, we do need to have a conversation about PJ flag. Um, but the time to even ask that question is unless they win one game over the back six, that question needs to be asked probably next October or November, depending on where things are. Yeah. Yeah, no, absolutely. I'm not, I don't expect the bomb to fall out. And I don't, I don't think it has at this point. I mean, again, it's, we knew it was going to be a tough schedule. We knew it was, it was a team that was, young inexperienced like you said a lot of new guys coming in so 
yeah, I mean, let's hope, hope, hope for the best. Hope for the best going forward, obviously, as we always do. Yeah. Um, I think there's still promise with a lot of these players. They just need time. And when you need time, it's not always pretty. Yeah. I will say, um, upshot, running game, running backs. <laughs> very good, you know. A very, very, very good between uh, Evans and Taylor. I mean, those guys, I know Taylor's been injured and didn't play much against Nebraska, but um, beyond showing flashes, those guys have shown that they're really, really good backs. And that's something that while we knew they had potential, that's been a pleasant surprise to see how that has panned out at this time. Yeah, like we, we kind of thought they might be this, but uh, it's great to have them. <laughs> yeah. And it's even cool to see um, there were back-to-back plays in the second, or maybe it was the first quarter. Yeah, it was the first quarter on Saturday night where Arion Terrestri and Greg Johnson got pancakes. Like, it, it was not a totally lifeless day going up against that run defense. Um, just the problem is eventually things kind of catch up to you, and Michigan is inevitable right now. And, you like, this is the first – Minnesota's the first team to store double-digit points against Michigan this year. Yes. And maybe that's why Michigan stored the most points they have all year out of anger. But I, what 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 can you say? Like they they're doing this to every team. They, yeah. they they're keeping you within arm reach, arms reach at halftime and then taking off. And yeah. next they have Indiana, and Indiana is probably going to suffer even worse than Minnesota. Yeah. yeah, and honestly, like I mean, it's just you know from this looking at this game, I mean, I would just, as a team and a program, we're just not the level of Michigan, and you know, in college football that happens. So what are you going to do? You know. Yeah, and. I don't know what what Michigan looks like next year, but you're going to go to the big house next year and you get to have another measuring stick game there. Yeah. Or you get to have another bloodletting. We'll see what happens. Uh, Other Big Ten games this weekend, because the Jophers aren't playing. No. Michigan, as said, will host Indiana. That's the big Fox game at 11 o'clock. Also at 11, Ohio State visits Purdue on Peacock. Ohio State fans are very upset about being on Peacock for the first time ever. Uh, I think Purdue's going to be on Peacock three times this year. So, um, you know, Ohio State fans can shut up. Michigan State travels to Rutgers on BTN. 2.30, NBC, Illinois, Maryland. 2.30 on BTN, UMass, Penn State. And then 3 o'clock on Fox, Iowa, Wisconsin. That is the Big Ten schedule. What are you looking at the rest of the country? I'm looking at a lot of Pac-12 games. Um, I yep. think obviously the big one, let me just pull up the Pac-12 slate here. Um, and there's other good games outside of that too. But um, the big one, of course, is Oregon at Washington, which – um, I'm moving in the morning, but should be clear by 2:30. So, and and I have cable now. So, um, you 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 bet you're behind. I will be watching that game. <laughs> um, because that one should just be. What do you say? I've been looking forward to this for a month. Yeah, yeah. Th- that should be that should be a, one of the one of those games that has potential to be super 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 fun. I don't think Arizona is good. But, you know, they they played well enough against USC last week to get a triple overtime. So maybe they have a fun one against Wazoo. I'm not counting on it. But, you know, in the spirit of talking about of, of Pac-12, we will talk about that. Um, SC at Notre Dame. 
again, SC last week did not look good, um, especially that defense. So, um, you know, Notre Dame lost to Louisville, turned it over a bunch. But that, that's still two very talented teams, and I think a compelling matchup at that. So looking forward to that. And then UCLA at Oregon State. It seems like, I mean, I know we talk about the Pac-12 being good like every week, but man, this is a, that's a great slate of games. That's like four, three or four, you know, that's th- really, I'll give you three. That's like three of the five games are, you know, really top tier, top tier, you know, A minus A matchups. That's, that's great. So definitely looking forward to those. Um, outside of that, I'm going to pull up the, the main slate again. Do like Mizzou at Kentucky. Florida, South Carolina, those teams aren't good, but they're both mediocre enough that it might be compelling. And then A&M at uh, Tennessee. So those three from the SEC I like. And then also um, it's kind of a wild card. Well, not, it's not really a wild card. I think I think the, those who know, know. Um, but Tulane at Memphis on Friday. Yeah. I think that should be oodles of fun. Just 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 oozing oozing fun over here. Um, I think that should be a great game. So those are some of the games that I think will be really uh, worth watching this weekend. And I have a lot of time this weekend, so I'm looking forward to being able to sit down and really take it all in. It's a very backloaded week where there is stuff to watch in the 11 o'clock slate. Syracuse, Florida State, yeah, Arkansas, Bama. Like there, there are these kind of like second string games. Um, Georgia Southern, James Madison has some intrigue, but it's really once you get into the, the evening slot. I mean, a lot of the games you mentioned are, are really interesting, but we've also... Oh, there's a couple more, too. Yeah, Auburn, LSU, K-State, and Tech, uh, Miami, North Carolina. Like, there are yeah. good games in the evening. Um, there's also Wyoming Air Force on CBS Sports Network. That's a big rivalry. They really dislike each other. They play on Thanksgiving before. Um, Air Force is probably the best team in the Mountain West. I mean, maybe not, because Wyoming – did Wyoming beat Fresno State this weekend? Um, I believe they did. Let me confirm that. They did, yes. Yeah, so Wyoming right now looks like the best team in the Mountain West, going up against a team that is usually among the best teams in the Mountain West in Air Force. That's a really good game. Um, but then at 9.30 on ESPN2, Montana goes to Idaho. All right, let's do it. Which? Do uh, it. Hey, why Idaho would schedule that? Are they still F- FBS? No, Idaho uh, moved down like seven, eight years ago to the FCS. Uh, But I'll tell you that um, Bill Connolly, just screwing around, put out uh, combined FBS, FCS, and Division II SP Plus rankings today. Oh, my God. Um, Brilliant. And Idaho ranks 108th, which is, what is that, sixth among FCS teams. And Montana ranks 113th. Wow. Uh, probably seventh. Yeah, about uh, about ninth, actually. Oh. Uh, maybe eighth. I, 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 I'm not focusing too much on the counting. The point is, it's two top ten teams in the FCS having a great, like, you know, drive dark. Um, and on top of that, I mean, if... It's at the Kibbe Dome. Oh, I just realized. So the timing isn't perfect, but 
Actually, it's pretty good. Arizona Wazoo, six o'clock, or I guess that'd be four o'clock Pacific time. Do you, do you know how close Pullman and Moscow are? I don't. They are like 10 minutes apart, the two campuses. Really? Yes. So you could theoretically do Arizona, Wazoo, and Montana, Idaho on the same night. Wow. That'd be very, very fun. Um, alternatively, for the night slate, the late night slate, uh, San Diego State, Hawaii will be at 10 o'clock on CBS Sports Network. Um, the rare Hawaii game that's actually on TV. Um, so, uh, other than that, I think we kind of touched on everything. I have one more game in my notes, Kansas-Oklahoma State, because Oklahoma State went out and put a whooping on T-State somehow. Yeah. Yeah, that's why you play the game. Yeah, that's, that's why. We, we haven't been doing, we've been doing only like 20 minutes or so. So the, the only two things I'll mention before we go, there is hockey this weekend, like actual hockey. I guess the, the women's... Women's college hockey started up last weekend. I don't think the Gophers were part of that, but they will be playing St. Thomas. Um, both the men's and women's teams will be this weekend. I'll be at the doubleheader that's happening Friday at the X. Um, and then the, the women go to St. Thomas. Or where, where where was that arena? We went to it last year. Oh, um, out in like Mendota Heights or something, or in yeah, Berlin. I think that was. The, I can't remember the camera whose arena it is, but yeah, it's where St. Thomas women play, uh, and then the the men will be hosting on Saturday, uh, St. Thomas, and a you know their 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 home opener, I guess. Even though I'm going to expect that there's going to be more Gopher people at the X on Friday night. I will say, like, um, I know. In those in hockey, it's probably not as good of a rivalry as it would be in other sports. And I know St. Thomas is still on the come up, and you know, in a lot of sports, building towards that you know Division One or building building at the Division One level. But I think in more sports, they should play. You know, I mean, obviously, like I love basketball, so I'm thinking of basketball, and I know it would be devastating at, at this at this point in time if the Gophers lost to St. Thomas, but. Yeah, I just think that's it's it's cool that we have an in a, another Division One potential rival that close to home. I think region we we talk a lot about regional rivalries and how important that is. And you know, heck, if that's a new one, you know, sign me up. That's cool. It happens in baseball uh, and softball at least, and you know, obviously the the women are in the same conference as uh, women's hockey is in the same conference as, as St. Thomas and the WCHA. Um, but yeah, for for now, like just if you're gonna schedule a drop take, might as well do it in the one that's a city over. Yeah, absolutely. My last thing is just on door Minnesota Twins. Yeah. Yeah. Fun run. Fun run. They hurt me, but it was fun. Yeah. You know, I, I was really hoping to go to the ALCS this year. Um but it is what it is. Small sample baseball is cruel, and also Jordan Alvarez is really cruel. <laughs> you know, l- last night, um, I know a lot of people are going to come away being like, oh, Rocco Baldelli needs to 
watch an actual baseball game instead of managing off a spreadsheet or whatever. But like the bullpen game worked. He gave up three yeah. runs, one of the best teams in baseball. Yeah. Uh, much like with the Blue Jays pulling Jose Brios and losing because they stored one run. You yeah. can't blame the strategy here. The fact is he ran into a good team, and I, I actually wrote this down. because I was going to write a blog post, but I, I don't think I'm going to finish it up. Over the course of the series, the Twins struck out on 35% of their plate appearances. Um, that included 14 out of 31 last night, which is almost half. Yeah. So, like, even for a team that's one of the most strikeout-prone in baseball, like, that's not going to work, like, like, at all. So, uh, yeah, you could say, so this is, I guess, is where I, I come down on, on this season is like the, this, the team we got in the back half, the team that was healthy, the team that had Walner and post injury, Royce Lewis and Eddie Julian all up at the same time, all clicking pretty well, even if Walner had a rough September or so, um, that is a really, really good team. Yeah. And I feel really good about where the Twins are right now. There are yeah. things that, that that could be better. You would like to have a player like Luis Arise in the lineup, someone who can avoid strikeouts. But at the same time, if you if you don't make that trade, you don't have Pablo Lopez, yes. who is the reason you won game two. And also is like one of the reasons the next three or four years to me is like the window. Um, like you've got all these young players, but you have a legit ace in Pablo Lopez. I think you should go out and re-sign Sonny Gray too. And sure. if you don't, um, and also the Polads have enough money, they should chase Shohei Otani too, but that's a separate conversation. And that applies to every major league baseball owner. If the twins don't get Shohei, I, I won't be that sad because I don't expect it, but, um, but you've, you've got this, this, this great group of rookies. You've got Brooks Lee, your top prospect who, who debuted in September, who's going to be up next year. And you got to find a place for him to play in the field. Um, maybe first, I mean, I guess Kirloff is going to be your first baseman unless he's a platoon guy, but you still have Polanco who had a good year when he came back from injury. I guess Michael A. Taylor is a free agent, but he's not essential. You got Buxton coming back. Um, you've got a really good offensive catcher in Ryan Jeffers. Um, Kepler is still like he had a great bounce back here, even if I still think he's an idiot for not getting vaccinated. You've got a really great rotation. You've got a good bullpen. Obviously, you need to change out bullpen arms every year because those, you know, those go wrong all the time. But 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 Jackson and our boy and our boy uh, Duran, that's they throw fast. They they do. Like Duran was just absurd last night. He only got one strikeout somehow, but I have no idea how he uh, doesn't strike out everyone he ever faces. Um, and shout, by the way, Chris Paddock, he was gone all year, got five innings all season in, in September, came back from a big injury, and he was like the most impressive pitcher that the Twins threw out there last night. And he's probably going to be in your rotation next year. So. There's a lot to be really happy about with this team. And you just wish you could say, ah, if only they'd played better. But, yeah, I mean, maybe you want to go get a contact hitter or something to 
you know, swap one guy out for another or something. But um, this could be a really good three years, three, four yeah. years, whatever, however long this works. And um, I'm really looking forward to it, even if right now I'm still in a little bit of pain. <laughs> yeah, yeah. The core, the core is certainly, to your point, the core is certainly there. For continued optimism, check back in a couple weeks when we have Aaron's Timberwolves preview. All right, all right, baby. Let's do it. Getting ready for it. <laughs> but anyway, we still have college football to keep us warm, and uh, hockey is starting up as well. So, Season of abundance. Yes, most certainly. Is there anything else you want to mention before we head out? Uh, no, no. Just really looking forward to being at home and honestly watching Oregon, Washington, all those other games. I think it's going to be a really good weekend. And I'm going to try not to too hard not to think about the home team. <laughs> yeah, that's that's probably the move. Uh, everyone else enjoy that game. And uh, we'll, we'll talk to you about the hated Iowa Hawkeyes next week. See ya.